Hey, how's it going? This is my name. I mean, I'm my name. I mean, hello, I'm Keith Abagari, and you're listening to Video Game Bolt. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> I got some video games coming out of my butt right now. <laughs> Listen to them and enjoy. Welcome to episode 122 of Video Game Pepsi Wave Bullshit. <laughs> I can only do it right-handed. I think I'd mess it up. No, okay. I got it. Oh yeah, you got it. You got it. So, um, been another another week. Tristan recording a day late, uh, but I do have today off because of Veterans Day weekend, which is nice. Yes, sir. And, and last week was a crazy week. Um, I know it's been a while since you've uh, you know been in the service, Tristan. But do you remember a PT test week? The week. week? Yeah, so like every you guys all do it the same week. Yeah, so essentially, um, twice a year the army does a PT test for the week, so you can get as much to 100% of the population as possible. Yeah, sure. So, um, but I'm also first sergeant in the unit, so Mm -hmm. we did PT tests Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, every morning, and I took a PT test with the soldiers, sometimes doing multiple events to motivate them. Yeah. I did, and we did a second one on Thursday. So I did five PT tests. Dang, dude. So I'm uh, I was a bit sore and tired over the. I week. bet. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, like uh, for for us, ah. we we did it stupidly. Like it was all spread out for everybody, so it was just chaos all year round, all the time. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, for for us, like you know, as you grow older. Yeah, the uh, the requirements for passing the PT test were a little bit easier, you know. So as a 42 year old, I'm sure you don't have to take the same exact PT test as a 19 year old coming in or whatever, right? Well, the army and its ever loving wisdom had something for me, which is they changed the army the APFT to the Army Combat Fitness Test. Okay. And there's six events now. Oh, that's fun. So. It's not just push up, sit ups, and a two mile run anymore. And yes, we did two miles, not a mile and a half, Tristan. I know, like um, us. <laughs> but here are the events we have to do now. We have to do a deadlift, a max okay. repetition, three rep deadlift. Um, we do a ball toss. We take a 10 pound ball and we toss it over our back. All right. We do push ups, but we don't just do normal push ups. We do hand release push ups. We go all the way out to the outside every ah, repetition. I know. Gross. You do a sprint drag carry. So you have to sprint. You have to do down backs. We sprint. You do a drag with 90 pounds. You do a lateral. You do a carry with uh, kettlebells. And then you do another sprint. So it's like anaerobic activity. Um, We do a plank. So you got to hold the plank. For how long? um, So it's a minute and a half to pass. Three minutes and 30 seconds to max. And I do, I could do like eight minutes because I do DDP, Diamond Dallas Page Yoga. I do DDP Dang, Yoga. Um, so I could do a lot of that. And then after all five of those events, then you do your two-mile run. Yeah, fun. I, I bet and, your heart's racing after that, too. And so. I did five of those last week with myself. Oh, my gosh, man. And multiple events. So I jump down and max the plank with somebody. Then I go to the next lane and do the plank with another and keep going. Like, just listening to you talk about it is making me sore. 
Dang. Hey, close to retirement. Close to retirement. You know, you know, uh, did you ever hear what the Air Force did like before our PT test, like our, you know, push up, sit ups and uh, a mile and a half run that we do you, um, showed up to work almost. <laughs> so we had this thing whenever I first came in for the first couple years, we had this thing. It was called, called the Ergo Cycle. It was a uh, basically an, an exercise bike that they would ramp up the intensity and you'd have like, you know, chest monitors and all this other stuff. So it would just like pay attention to your heart rate and, and whatever. I don't know what it was looking at. I never, I always passed it. So I didn't care. But, um, typically like if you were in super good shape, like you had a really rough time with it, but if you were a chain smoker, you're good to go, man. So, <laughs> and I, I was, I'm not saying that. that I was a chain smoker. Like I was actually, I, I passed that test just fine, um, but yeah, it was it was ridiculous. It was a ridiculous thing. I have no idea why we were doing an ergo cycle instead of real um, exercise. But I think the Air Force is going back to that sort of thing now instead chair of force. the traditional. Yes, the Chair Force. We 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 earn that 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 moniker. We do. Yeah. <laughs> In some cases. Well, and so then you mentioned like the PT standards doing that reverse bell curve where I'm in yes. my old man stage now yeah, in the army. Yeah. Um, I am in the sixth age category now mm-hmm. in the army. Um, and ironically, because it's the ACFT, the run times have went drastically slower because you have five events before it. So okay. to put things into perspective, I had to, when I joined the army with just the APFT, the three events, I had to pass at about a, it was about like a 1536, 15 minute, 36 second, okay. two mile. Two um, yeah. yeah, I always have to keep that in mind because, like, you know, yeah. I'm just so so used to the mile and a half. Like, yeah, that's what I've got. Well, in my brain. now, if I run that, that's almost maxing for me. Yeah. Yeah. So being old combined with they change and have the five events before it. Um, I, I do like a 15, 15 still and I'm getting 98 points or something ridiculous. So. Yeah. And that's me doing all the other events before it. And I'm like sitting here in pretty good shape and I can knock it out. Now, mark my words, a couple years I'll be retired and, you know, just let the DD214 take me. Let the uh, let the forms take me. Let the retirement <laughs> take me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, they, uh, do they uh, measure the circumference of your, uh, your waist as well? If you are overweight, yes. So okay. the Army, probably the same as Air Force, has a height. That you have to be in a certain weight based on your height. So for yeah. me, I'm six one. I have to be under uh, 215 pounds or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, I'm 188 pounds, so yeah. I don't have to get ticked. Um, and it might be down to like 208 now. But either way, though, it depends if I'm at six foot or six one. And with compression on my spine over the years, I've shrunk an inch sometimes, and yeah. sometimes I have. Um, but yeah, I do make weights and I didn't used to though, back when I was a drill sergeant in Texas, um, I was 228, And so I had to get mm-hmm. taped and the army used to do it, a uh, neck waist, neck, neck and waist. Really? Yeah. They go around your neck and go around okay. your waist and then females, they also go around the hips. Um, but within the last year, they only do circumference of the waist now mm. parallel over the belly button. So those army dudes with the giant necks. Yeah. Saving their butt, big old bellies are getting in trouble now. 
Sure. Because they, yeah, it's it's really interesting and really funny. And uh, these, these folks uh, listening to us on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts, um, I'm three years removed from the Air Force, so I've, I don't want to say let myself go, but I'm not in PT, uh, you know, passing shape. <laughs> That's for sure. So we'll just pretend well, like I, I saw a picture of you with Terry Dybul, which is going into one of your books, yeah, and you yeah, are yeah. like. You're, you're slim, slim yes, body. Uh, much, I, w- I used to be a lot skinnier. Yes. Well, and I would, I I'm would not like going to get back to that. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say that I'm going to maintain my current rate of physical fitness once yeah. I'm not required to by the government. Like, sure. like we're literally paid. It's a pretty big. Yeah, it's a pretty big motivator to uh, not get kicked out of the uh, the military. You know, mm-hmm. you got to maintain. I mean, you got to be battle ready. Exactly. And that, you know, that's why people are here to listen to us talk about battle really military stuff and not video games. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, obviously. Of course. Um, so uh, what have you been up to this week? And then I'll go over like I got a couple things in the mail. We can go over some stuff. What have you been up to, though, Tristan? Sure. I actually took a couple notes, so I didn't forget anything. Um, nice. Let's see. I, I actually accomplished my college orientation. Um, so now I have to schedule a, an appointment with an advisor so that I can sit down and talk about all this stuff. Cause they, uh, on, on my admission stuff, they, they want to say like, I need to take a math and an English placement. I have a bachelor's degree. I disagree with them. So I will be talking to them about this. Um, yeah. uh, and then, uh, this past, uh, weekend on Saturday, I actually had a whole bunch of people over. Um, I, I love having people over to like play video games uh, every once in a while. And we, we had kind of a game tournament, um, I where I had people play five different games. There were two different teams and then everyone's score combined, uh, you know, like, um, determined what team won. So you had to win each team had to win three out of five events, uh, oh, to, to be the overall winner. We played, played toe jam and Earl. To see who uh, who could get to the highest level in ten minutes. Ooh, I do. I got the best freaking RNG like ever. You know, and you play random world, so it's not like the fixed world. I got to the tenth level in ten minutes. Like I was blazing fast, and I I whooped everybody's ass. Like the the closest person was on level six. Like Damn. several people, yeah. Uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, um, the fastest time on Royal Raceway, which is, you know, an N64 track. So everyone's pretty familiar with that one. Pretty good with that. Uh, League Bowling on Neo Geo on my uh, MVS cabinet. Let's bowl. Let's bowl. I love that game. Uh, on my Play Choice 10, I had everyone play the Nintendo World Championship. Okay. And then on my Xbox 360 kiosk, I had, uh, Tetris the Grandmaster Ace. Um, oh shit! Heat up, yeah. I <laughs> uh, and that I, I feel kind of bad because I mean I'm a ringer when it comes to that game. So like we we did both scoring like for everybody um, on the team, and then uh, I I did scoring like I knocked out the top score and the the bottom score, and then we either way my team won. So I I don't feel bad putting that game in there. How many uh, how many people actually played? It was uh, six on each team, so we had a dozen. Wow, you had yeah. a bunch of people over. That was yeah, lot. and I, we had more than that not playing. So we, I had about eighteen, nineteen people over. Dang. Like in my basement, it, it got kind of got, got kind of warm down there. <laughs> 
Yeah. I do notice that uh, we talked about Toad Jim and League Bowling recently, so we're having a little bullshit influence into your uh, well, game. Yes, I, I, I got my, a, a trophy. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. It's my that's my pickup for the week. I got a trophy. Nice. No, that's that's wild. The game nights are awesome. Like, oh, it's so much thing. fun, man. It's one thing moving around right now, or I don't have a homestead like right mm-hmm. now. Like neighbors, none of them game or nothing. So. Well, that's one of the things I was thinking about. I'm like, I'm, uh, you know, I was thinking, uh, it, it sucks that you're so far away because I know you would enjoy something like that. Like, you know. Well. Well, like back in the day, we used to um, when I was in Indiana uh, recruiting, uh, we did Retro Raiders, which we had a bunch of local gamers coming by, uh, JD and Wiz and a couple of my buddies. Mm-hmm. And every week we would play and um, we would play League Bowling. We actually had a scoreboard up on the wall. We were either have our yes. high scores and we'd, we'd play something every week and it'd be like a Wednesday night. We'd all just hang out and, and play some some games and it was a yeah. good time like the homebrew world championships was our was our bread and butter yeah i, th- I think we may have set the uh, world records on that because of such a newer game at the time like we would literally go back and but yeah it's crazy because like you know you were part of that whole nintendo age thing i wasn't so i mean that's that's kind of near and dear to your heart i'm sure uh being able to play those games are, were made for nintendo age well yeah exactly and it was super fun, super mm-hmm. crazy. So one last crazy thing about that game night, I, I yeah, forgot yeah, yeah. to say. Um, I uh, I invited so like Ben's Game Zone is our our local game store. You have to sing it. Oh, Ben's Game Zone. There we go. Ben's Game Zone. <laughs> <laughs> I remembered. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> I went to Ben's Game Zone. Um, and uh. So this guy, this older guy, I mean, he's like in his fifties, um, but he's a collector, really nice guy named John. Uh, you know, I, I'd only met him like three weeks prior, but I mean, we kind of hit it off. Um, I invited him to come over and he invited, uh, one of his friends to come over, uh, this girl named Barbara, um, who I'd never met. Uh, so we get to talking and he's like having me show her like my book and stuff like that. And she's like, wait, you're. Your name's Tristan Ibarra? Like, I know a Tristan Ibarra. I'm like, wait, what? Like, that's a really unusual name. She's like, yeah, a friend of mine, uh, that's her husband. I'm like, what's your friend's name? Natalie. I'm like, that's my wife. Like, they worked together. Random. Barbara and my wife. Uh, yeah, it was like s- small world kind of stuff. It's just mind blowing. So I was trying to get my wife to come downstairs. She was like hanging out with the cats upstairs, trying to keep them from being stressed out. And um, finally, I convinced her to come down and like, you know, that she was just like uh, they were both, you know, kind of incredulous that this coincidence happened. But <laughs> just, it was funny. It was really funny. Just out of nowhere. Random people showing up and your wife just yeah. is in the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She didn't know that she was over at her friend's house, and my, you know, my wife didn't know that her friend was over at her house, and it's just funny. Wild. Yeah, it's crazy stuff, man. Yeah, like um, yeah, we were saying though, like it'd be nice uh, once I'm stateside, I'll be able mm-hmm. to back on the mainland, be able to start hanging out. Um, of course, you'll still be in Nebraska. I'll be in Florida. Exactly. It's okay. not like it's that close, but no, still cool though. Yeah, still be cool. So, um, so I did get a few things in the mail. Um, nothing too crazy. Um, I did get a game from Limited Run finally. 
Trip World. Hey, nice. Yeah, Trip World's a cool one made by Sunsoft. Um, you know, like the the classic uh, reimagining. It's like a DX version, essentially, a colorized yeah. version of an old game. Um, picked up this classic, which is like a classic Square RPG. Um, I was doing year three of my book and mm. of the Switch book, and it, this popped up, and it was uh, released in August 22nd. But it's a really good action game. So, really cool artwork on that. Yeah, it's a really cool one. Um, can't even remember the name of it as I'm going through. Um, oh well. And then um, I get to get in Cult of the yeah, Lamb, which I'll, dude, people have been waiting for that one for a while. And apparently, you know, it's going to be taken off due to the Unity stuff eventually. So, yeah. But they did a nice foil on it. Uh, classics, nice. you know, Special Reserve doing their thing. Um, then the final piece that I did get, which is a cool thing, is um, did you know that in the Nintendo store in Tokyo that they have these little gachapon machines that have Nintendo controller pieces? Oh, come on. And they have Nintendo and Famicom. Okay, that's freaking cool. And they have the buttons, they have the plus, and they have the obviously the D-pads. Which I Is got it just like little fidget things or what? Yeah. So this is the Famicom Player One, and then this is an NES, and these are the D-pads, but they also have the buttons. They can have the A button, the B buttons, and they have the uh, pause and select buttons as parts. So this is the actual width of a Nintendo controller. Um, You can only get them in the Nintendo store, so eBay has them. Of course. Um, Got them on the Ebays. Um, They had both of these together as one, so I was like, well, let me get these because the D-pads are the best ones anyways to me. But um, you, you might have froze. I yeah, can't. I did not freeze, but oh, okay. it's all good. Um, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, but um, super cool. Got the little uh, D pads from Nintendo Nintendo Store, which is awesome. Cool. Yeah. Um. So, uh, what's uh in the news, Tristan? Well, off the top of my head, and we were talking about this before. Uh, the OLED Steam Deck, which was inevitable was yeah. actually uh, confirmed and or announced or, or however they d- did it. Um, I, I didn't see any sort of timeline. I did hear about the pricing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what was the higher end one, like 650 or something like that? Um, there's a collector's edition, I think. There's that's... a collector's edition? Okay. Yeah. And I think that's 650 or 680 or something. Um, and the OLED screen looks awesome. The higher oh, end one, imagine. they uh, upgraded to I think a terabyte um, in the in the uh, storage. Uh, they put in a larger fan, which means it'll operate quieter. Um, and they put in a bunch of other bells and whistles that make it like really really essential. Um, like it's like for example, when you resume from po- like turning it on and off, it's been shorter. There's like a lot of oh. uh, awesome features now. Um, I had mentioned this before we recorded. Now that's it's gonna have to be a gotta convince me to buy it aspect, and it's not mm-hmm. for the reason that you think. To me, this upgrade's well worth it. It's well worth it for all the bells and whistles. My thing is, is that I'm a tinker. Um, and I like to mess with things and I like to optimize my gear, my Steam Deck, and everything. So my Steam Deck, I've put in hundreds of hours just tweaking things and making all the games operate perfect and have yeah. the right images and all that and just thinking about starting that over with another one seems like a nightmare to me yeah Um, that would be fun 
And I focus on retro games anyways and indie games that have a retro aesthetic that are smaller form factor anyways. So I am not entirely sold on getting it. But if my wife buys it for me for Christmas, I'll be stuck. (laughs) Uh, Does she listen to this podcast? She does sometimes and sometimes not. (laughs) Uh, Wink, wink, hint, hint. Yeah. Um, But yeah, man, it's uh, it's just one of those things where I I love the Steam Deck. It's I play that probably more than my Switch at this point. And it would be tough, though, for me to start over from scratch. Uh, Yeah, Um, especially for how long the other one's been out. And uh, were you an early adopter of uh, the Steam Deck? From the beginning, or or no? Yeah, I um I pre-ordered it day one and got oh, it go. one of the first ones to get it in the mail and all that stuff. So it's been um an early adoption, fun time for it. And to me, it's like I know from my PC to the Steam Deck, my settings and my all my stuff doesn't transfer over well. So um. It's just one of those pieces where there's options and settings that I have on my Steam Deck, and if I can't just easily one-for-one transfer it, it's like I'm upgrading a cell phone. Um, at this point oh, now, yeah, you dude. walk in with a cell phone, you take it in, they just flash it one-to-one, you got your whole phone back on the new phone. If you stay within the same console. Like if I go from Apple to Apple. Uh, yeah, exactly. It, it, I mean, you know, like uh, Google, um, if if you have – if you transfer Google accounts uh, – Amongst, you know, like the the um, Android architecture and then the uh, the Apple uh, that's that's a little different. Um, So I was just talking about. uh, So, like, if you're going from the Apple ecosystem to like Android ecosystem, but, you know, you're transferring over like Google accounts, you know, obviously that's not going to be affected. But if you've got like Apple contacts and Android contacts, they don't really play so well together. So I see what you're saying. And, you know, you you saying something about like, uh, you know, uh, ease of use whenever it comes to like transferring over. That reminds me of like Nintendo just recently said that they were going to do something to ease the transition to their Switch 2 in Mm. some way but i wasn't sure i didn't really dive into that all i saw was the headline i don't know if you heard about that or not no i mean it makes sense that they would want to make the transition easy but Mm -hmm. even with their cloud-based system like everything doesn't transfer over like i know animal crossing saves don't work quite how you'd want them to and stuff like that and then like even when i went and adopted the oled and my wife bought me the oled switch um it was like all my saves, like every time I start a new game, I have to like download the cloud save. It doesn't like automatically do yeah, all my cloud saves. Yeah. So it's kind of a pain when you have hundreds of games that you play. Um, so but the 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 very fact that they said that they they came out and said that that makes me hopeful that it will be backwards compatible with Switch games. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, why would they say that if it wasn't? Well, exactly. So it's got to be some kind of some kind of pattern, some kind of transition. Um, fingers crossed that, um, you know, it is backward mm-hmm. compatible. So yeah, we don't absolutely. have to restart. <laughs> oh, nothing's worse than like, you know, going to like a, a Nintendo 3DS for. for ex- well, no, that's not the best example. Well, see, Nintendo DS at, at the very beginning. I remember getting that thing and all I had to play was Metroid, uh, Metroid Prime Hunters, like first hunt that demo. 
And then eventually, like maybe a week later, uh, Super Mario uh, 64 DS came out. But yeah. it was barren. I mean, like there was nothing to play. So and, I mean, backwards compatibility is so important on a new console. When you have thousands and thousands of games on the Switch, though, I mean, yeah. it makes it simple. I just wonder if the eShop will be one-to-one compatible or you're going to have to like redo all the entire rebuild the eShop from scratch on the new yeah. Switch. Because that'll be a pain. Yeah, and um, as we've seen with Nintendo time and time again, they, uh, you know, just because you buy, say, Super Mario, um, Super Mario Brothers 3 on, on one ecosystem, it doesn't mean that you own it over on this other ecosystem. Their own ecosystems. What the heck? very true well the thing is is with the the new same thing so many times with the new nintendo account though and indie games as long as it plays on the console it should be uh you should transfer your license that you purchased just imagine how many games that we have on the switch and if you had to rebuy all those games it'd be i it's it's a bar at that point like that is yeah you're absolutely right there'd be a revolt (laughs) yeah i mean but they might have to a convenience upporting charge or something like Nintendo would do. Oh, they totally would. That's so Nintendo. They would do mm-hmm. that. So there is that. Um, so, uh, by the way, I don't think we talked about it, but like, how are you um, doing for news uh, on your video game book that you're working on? Oh, my video game book. So this this past week was kind of rough as far as like motivation goes. We were talking last podcast, like when the motivation strikes, go for it. But it's I've just been I know a lull, dude. I Man, this lull. entire week, and it's not even a hard library to put together. I've been working on the Wii for a week now. I could have had it done in a day if I had the the right motivation. So I I, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Wild. Maybe I was just doing too much too fast and just burnt myself out. I think that's probably the case. Hit hit like a wall. I did. But I want to get it done before Super Mario RPG comes out because, uh, yeah, that's going to take some time out of my life. That's exactly it. And like I, um, I've been working on two books. I'm working on the complete Genesis and then the Metroidvania Chronicles that we announced yeah. last week. And a lot of people hit me up um, on you know DMs and stuff, which is awesome. I uh, keep the feedback coming in. I love it. Um, and so I went through, finished out the Legacy and the Classics, which I think I mentioned last week, mm-hmm. um, all the retro stuff. Now I finished uh, – yesterday I finished out the entire modern section. Um, and as you're doing design work and some of the more complex layouts, things happen. And I found, um, a way to make these screenshots about, uh, 75% larger. Um, and so I had to rework all my layouts again to make them all flow, but it looks freaking amazing now. Um, and so, Finish that out. All I have left to finish the core 150-page book now is my Abnormal Games, which is the unconventional games, like a robot named Fight, which yeah. um, you know fits in there because it's like a Rogavania. All right. So um, I think we were chatting about the Steam OLED and comparisons of upgrades and it being a pain in the butt to move from one construct to another right 
So um, essentially, uh, my biggest pain is going to be the way that I tinker, the way that I set up my Steam Deck. Um, I don't want it to like redo that from start from scratch, if that makes sense, Tristan. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and, and rightfully so. I mean, it's not I- exactly easy, especially as much time as you, you know, said that you spent um, actually making everything just so. Yeesh. Yeah. And so that's going to be the hardest thing is like if I get it for Christmas, I'm down. Um, and then I think we had transitioned because we have the new uh, backgrounds, as everybody can see. Um, <laughs> but um, we transitioned into books that we're working on stuff. And so working on the Metroidvania Chronicles um, and doing updates, um, I had mentioned that I had finished the modern section and then upgraded all of the intricacies of the layout to make it more high definition, a 75% increase on all the screenshots, which looks really nice. Um, especially considering that within it, I'm doing a book zine format. So it's going to be like a reader's digest size. So Mm -hmm. having a little more real estate on the screenshots is going to be important. So you can see the details and everything. Yeah, and and one thing that I was going to say before we were so rudely interrupted by Skype, which we uh, were ditching from now on, um, (laughs) um, is uh, that's one thing that people don't realize is is what a manual process it is uh, to do most of this like layout work. Um, I mean, yeah, if you're going to have everything like cookie cutter, then you only have to like design each page once or twice in, in InDesign. But you know, we Jeff and I don't like to make it cookie cutter so it's a really manual process and one thing that i've always like considered doing and it's it's hard to convey to people just how much time is put into these projects uh have you ever considered doing a time lapse of yourself like putting together uh you know this like bookazine or one of your books or something like that well i mean it would be interesting because um like, for example, my Genesis book that I mentioned earlier, um, I've been working on that for six years. So it'd be a six-year mm-hmm. time lap every time I looked at my, like moving across country. I think I've moved three times since then. Sure, um, yeah. That'd be interesting. So so you're talking about like recording like me working on stuff or recording the screen? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, recording the screen. But, I mean, you know, we're talking like one frame every minute or two minutes or three minutes so it's a it's a time lapse you know to to the viewer it'd be like a you know two minute video finishing up your entire book or an entire section or something like that just just to give sort a, a sort of idea how much goes into it i mean i've always been curious and, and thought about doing that myself and i'm sure there's software out there that makes it easy Oh, yeah, probably. Um, yeah, it'd be yeah. very interesting to see. I, I wouldn't be um, adverse to it, but um, yeah, it's uh, it'd be wild. The Metroidvania Chronicles I've, I've put together relatively fast and had, you know, a hair at my butt writing some nice reviews and making sure that they're edited properly. So mm-hmm. um, now that is going to be a thing where uh, community still uh, going to have the opportunity to contribute. So that might add a few pages but it's at 150 pages right now tristan wow 150 and and it started out as what you said 80 it was supposed to be like 80 80 something like that and then i realized that if i want to show off the screenshots correctly um and be able to read the text readability is important in the smaller form books um i had to double my page counts for each 
uh, review each yeah. game. So, um, the other piece is, is that I decided that with the upcoming games, I'm only going to write about what is provided by the developers. So, um, okay. for example, going into the Beastmaster game, because there's a new Beastmaster Metroidvania, um, going in there, I'm only using from what the developers have provided, and then I'm going to use a few screenshots to make it look cool, have a two-page, like a two-page spread, and that's yeah. that's all I'm doing on those. Um, whereas each game is going to have a four-page spread, two two different, you know, two different flip uh, for it, so that way you can see the intro who developed and published it. And then you go to the, um, the actual meat and potatoes of the review. And they're, I sure. mean, they're heavy, heavy reviews. It's not, you know, just like a collector's book abridged and all that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, not like mine. It's, it it's is a yours is a real, like uh, meat and potatoes book. Mine's a very surface level. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, this first volume is going to have the tried and true classics of Symphony of the night and super Metro yeah. and hollow Knight, like the, the usual suspects, but that's mm-hmm. also why I want the unconventional section. Um, and I figure as I go forward, I might pick out smaller bite-sized ones in the future, do some other sections um, as it as it pops up and pops out at me. Because like the legacy section, for example, that's just in the first volume. Because after yeah. that, like the legacy ones are done. Now we're going into modern, retro, and then I might further categorize it as we go and have fun with it. And as you know, readers want something, I will I will do like an article on something. Um, for example. In the Super Metroid one, I'm talking about the randomizers um, and the world record scene in there as a as uh, cool. So technically, there's six pages on Super Metroid. Um, it's a little bit bigger. So well, uh, on on the topic of Super Metroid, I have one important question for you. Mm-hmm. Kill the animals or save the animals? Always save the animals. Yeah, thank you. My same. There's yep. always time to save the animals. <laughs> so. Interestingly, I'm looking, and I think that for some reason my device is not looking like it's plugged in. So. Oh really? Uh, Everything looks yeah. good on my end. Yeah, but it is plugged into the wall, so I am going to, I am going to plug it directly into the wall just because it's playing shenanigans. Yep. I don't know. Do I not have power in my house right now? <laughs> <laughs> Classics. I mean, now I'm plugged all the way into the wall, and if it ain't working now, I'm, I don't know what to tell you. There we go. Let's see. But I just want to make sure that, um, you know, we don't lose anything. Yeah, for sure. There we go. Yeah. Now it's plugged in. Good. All right. <laughs> You're having all sorts of video game bullshit technicalities today. Um, but yeah, no, Metroidvanias are my favorite. Um, I did play... Um, a new one um, that I got as a Kickstarter backer. Um, it's called, I think it was, I think it's called Nine Years of Shadow or Nine Days of Shadow. Huh. Um, I've heard of that one. Let me let me look because I did get a Kickstarter update. I don't want to say the the wrong name of it. Um, it is Nine Years of Shadows. Nine Years of and Shadows. Nine Years of Shadows. It's a Metroidvania. It was just uh, released on Switch. I backed it on Kickstarter, so I got a code. Um, I did mess with it a little bit this weekend. It's fun. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, prepping for you know Super Mario RPG. I'm trying not to dig into anything too meaty. Yeah, dude. But I went through, um, played, and got to a couple save points. It's awesome. It's an awesome game. It'll definitely be something that I'll be covering in the the Metroidvania Chronicles in the future. 
Um, oh, and it's, that's what's it's such an awesome thing about your idea, and I can't believe it hasn't been done before. So I'm glad that that uh, you get to be the one to, to blaze the trail because there's no shortage of Metroidvanias. Um, you know, that genre has been around for how long now? Uh, mm-hmm. We've been doing it for decades. Well, so, and, you know, there's certain people that coined the term and utilized it. Absolutely. But, I mean, the genre itself, uh, Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest, yeah. is technically a Metroidvania. There's actually a game mm-hmm. that I cover in the book, um, even older, for Commodore 64. It's called Below the Root. Below and, the Root. And that one is, like, super rudimentary. And so I want to cover different games that you know you may not have heard of too um i'm looking at some japanese uh pc 88 games and stuff like that uh, uh, excuse me just one second it's just out of reach but uh you mentioned commodore 64 uh during that get together i actually hooked up my uh commodore sx 64 with a metroidvania uh that was a homebrew uh i've got to show you this one maybe you haven't heard of it i'm not sure soulless Night and Grail. It's Night and Grail. You have heard of it. Of course. Yeah, yeah. I have a copy of Night and Grail. Night and Grail's awesome. Yeah, oh, it's, it really dude, good. it's so good, man. And getting all the different armor upgrades in Night and Grail to where you change the color of your character and the mm-hmm. different attacks, and you can sit there and, and mess with it. Like, it's it's a very well-put-together metric. Jeff, it's almost like you know your stuff. <laughs> like you're qualified to write about this or something. I do love the genre. Um, yeah. I'm not as good as some, though. I'm not a, a Souls-like like person when it comes to you know all that stuff. But mm-hmm. I'm a, I, I do enjoy it. I am a I'm a filthy casual when it comes to gaming. I love love just playing stuff. Oh well, a filthy casual with passion. It's the passion that that matters. Um, yeah. So I mean, like, I think it's exciting that you're doing this genre because there's never going to be any shortage yeah. of things to write about. Well, and then concurrently, whenever I hit writer's block on Metroidvania, I then pivot over and I started reinvigorating some efforts into the complete Genesis book. Mm -hmm. And um, I've been getting those writings done, too. But then I realized, Tristan, that through the U.S. games, I had stopped doing all the titles and all the categorization that I had already done research on because I already have a spreadsheet for it. Um, I stopped about halfway through the alphabet. So I had to go through from like N or M or wherever and go all the way to Z to type in every name, developer, publisher, how many players there are, every single game. I got it. It's a manual process, people. (laughs) I got it all done this weekend, though, which is crazy. There's Um, a lot of data entry. (laughs) And now um, I got the reviews through G done. So I got through G, writing um, nice little paragraphs. Now, I do have uh, standard phrases that I use that I repeat that I used to get lectured on by um, my (laughs) old editor, John Miller. John Miller used to edit my shit and get on me about, you always use experience. Or like I'm like, yeah, I I do tend to have my my go-to words. um, Everybody does. I mean, come on. Yeah. And there's there's only so many ways that you can describe a run and gun. You know what I mean? Like there just well, is. I try to hit the nuances. Um the other thing is though is that there's 140 to 150 bullshit sports titles that go into its own section. Love it. So so that way I'm not writing about those, but they're all going to be categorized. So if you want the bullshit titles, um all the FIFA's, all the 
Madden's, all that crap. I'm not yeah. writing about those. It's in its own section. Um, if somebody wants to cover NHL 94, um, they can as a contributor in the back, um, and they can write about. So is it all sports titles or just some sports titles? I only include non-traditionals in the main meats and potatoes. So your NBA jams, um, okay. the hockey's, the weird All right, ones so, I include. Yeah, so I, I w- the one specifically that I was thinking about was Super Baseball 2020. Yes, that is included in the main book as well. So yeah. anything that has a gimmick to it, you know, like, mm-hmm. for example, we published Super Blood Hockey. It's not yeah. a hockey. It's not NHL freaking 2023. It's no. Super Blood Hockey. That has a gimmick to it. So anything that has a gimmick to it, I'm including. Um, and then the rest go in the back. Uh, and it's like literally right behind the Z's. It then has it's bullshit sports titles. And I have a whole <coughs> and it says sports branding in the section and everything. Nice. And then it'll have stuff like uh, just anything that I'm not super interested in, like, like NASCAR racing and stuff like yeah. that. Stuff that I wouldn't be interested in necessarily collecting for. Also the games that would be like, quarter to a dollar when you see them at a game Mm -hmm. store and so i just include all those in there and then you know i'm going down into pal exclusives brazil exclusives japanese that are interesting in u.s that are they're playable homebrew stuff bootlegs it's it's 600 pages dude it's insane and um and i had already laid this all out five years ago Mm -hmm. um i'd promoted in the army since then dude (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> like and so it's it was um something that i thought i had gotten further along than i did as i started digging in and i'm like oh crap this is going to take a lot more data entry as you as you called it than i had re- recently reasonably thought about but yeah um i am going to utilize a few sources since a uh, sega age nintendo age doesn't exist anymore um i'm gonna look at other different websites reach out to them see if they want to contribute any articles but also utilize them as a source and source them um sega retro is one that they're great yeah Um, awesome website yeah and so i'm going to utilize them for confirmation of data so for example i'm going to look and i found some inaccuracies even with theirs when i was going through how many players are in a game and it'll say something like this is a two-player game and it literally says in the back of the box one player um but they may count like link cable or stuff like that. So I'm looking into the details (laughs) and it's a bit, it's a bit of a process, man. Every single one's a bit of a process. It takes always dude. But, uh, you know, it's so rewarding once, once it's done, because you only have to do it once unless you plan on, yeah, in theory, unless you plan on doing, you know, a definitive uh, edition, like I uh-huh, did, yeah, something like that, but double the freaking size. And that's in yeah. printing, by the way. I got confirmation it should be shipping soon. So that's awesome. Um, I'm waiting for it to arrive. Um, when it comes to ship, um, you know, freight shipping uh, from overseas, it mm. goes on a freighter and sits there and sits at the ports. And ever since COVID yeah. happened, you know, three years ago now, they still haven't figured out how to, um, you know, get it a little quicker. Yeah. So I'm literally waiting to ship everybody their books and everything. It's I haven't gotten my advanced copy yet, which I know that, that means it hasn't even started the, the long, lengthy process. But I know it's done. Um, I want to get a copy in. Once I get my copy in the mail, it's going to be, uh, I'm going to show it off here. And, oh, heck uh, maybe, yeah, man. Maybe we'll do like a little YouTube video, a little teaser too, like a, a single video YouTuber for the website as well. Absolutely but, do a teaser. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Freaking craziness, man. Freaking craziness. And then that's in route. 
Uh, it's been wild. Well, one thing I forgot to mention about my books, um, and so I, I took kind of a break of working on the book itself because, you know, every time I, I finish up a section, you know, that section's done. I don't have to worry about that anymore unless I have some editing to do. But one of the last big sections that I, f- I finished up was the PlayStation 2. Um, I have a lot of friends that are PlayStation 2 collectors, and they had been asking me for, you know, a, a separate guide for them so that they could write in it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that got the wheels turning and, and um, uh, or the gears turning. Um, I, I got some book binding equipment. Um, I can, you know, I've got my own printers. I've got a couple uh, laser jet and an inkjet. But on my laser jet, I, I can print out the entire library of whatever console somebody wants. Uh, you know, use my book binding equipment to make a nice, neat notebook for someone to use. And, uh, then they can use it for their, their, uh, their collecting. Um, cause you know, someone, if, if they buy my entire four volume books, isn't necessarily going to want to write in those if they're a collector. I yeah, I would too. That's just me. Uh, because it's my books. It's not like I'm going to resell them or something like that. But a lot of people wouldn't want to do that. So, um, you know, for them, I, I actually, on my website, vgcollectorguide.com, I have them available for purchase now. And now, I, I the spent one thing a lot I want to say mm-hmm. is that it's not like Tristan put up like PlayStation 2. There's like... 30 freaking <laughs> like it's yeah I, like, I, he went there crazy. there's 49 of them available the right now <laughs> like 49. i went there and i'm like oh my god there's so many like ones and you're like yeah. charging like like reasonable prices I'm yeah it's like, it's it's 22 cents a page is what it comes out to and i really tried to minimize like how much shipping you're going to pay so if you're only buying like you know one or two or whatever it's gonna you know fit in a, a bubble mailer um, it's only going to cost you $5 in the United States to, awesome. to get shipped to you. So it's pretty reasonable. You know, and this is like meant to be, it's not fancy. It's, it's no, practical. it's not collector grade. Practical. I will say that up front. It's not collector practical. grade, but I, I mean, it is, it does look nice. Oh, it looks awesome. But it's not collector grade. No. Yeah. But it's still though, it's an awesome way for somebody who just wants, you know, the Armstrong CPC to put, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, or if you're, uh, you know, collecting the entire Mega Duck uh, or Cougar Boy uh, <laughs> library, then uh, I got you covered. Yeah, you can get the whole Cougar Boy library and you'll be <laughs> cougared out. That's right. You can play Snake Roy to your to your uh, heart's content. Dude, it's like so wild the depths and the details you went into with these books. Like it's just wild. Uh, crazy. I can't wait to have those in hand, dude. Seriously. You know um the term that we've talked about on video game bullshit, Chris. It's called scope creep. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta we gotta get you like uh, I should I, that, I, I should uh, like you know have that my my book subtitled like um uh the the video game collector's field guide scope creep edition. You know like <laughs> it's so true. I mean your memoirs how scope creep affected my life. <laughs> yeah yeah it's just. Uh, I, I should be called the scope creep. Now, the other piece is though, Tristan, you've actually published books, so you do yeah, know. at least yeah. get them out there. Whereas there's mm-hmm. some people out there with scope creep that just never release their items, or that takes forever. Yes, exactly. 
um, I've, I've come to a point where, yes, it has slowed down the process a little bit, but it's a more complete product that you're going to be getting. Yeah. Um, exactly. I think it's it's well justified. Yep. And it's awesome. And the thing is, is that I like to work on a few things concurrently. Ironically, there is a book that I need to get to print that I need to get off my butt that I've been procrastinating on. Oh, I know which one. <laughs> and people have pre-ordered. Which book is it, Tristan? The uh, Black Box Challenge. The Twisted Realities. I need uh-huh. to get that sucker done. And the artist did finish the um, did finish the cover. So I do have the cover done. And so that is the next thing I need to do, which I'm going to try to get done before the new year and get it into printing. Um, it's going to be a pain, though. Because it's um it's a lot of layout, a lot of work, and every mm-hmm. single time, as we mentioned earlier, when I change something and optimize, I have to change all the pages. Um, I've done that multiple times with, with the Twisted Realities, and there are people now that have taken my format and copied it and did their own little choose your own adventure style. So I'm like, yeah, ah, look, lovely, lovely people. Um, now one thing I don't have done with the Metroidvania Chronicles Tristan is I don't have a cover yet, so I have to do a cover still mm-hmm. um because if i'm going to kickstarter because last night i also did finish the kickstarter page for the metroidvania chronicles um i finished all the meat and potatoes the text um i need to work on all of the different um, mock-ups and everything for the page i haven't i don't have a cover yet so i gotta contact a few of my buddies who do art and see if anybody has an opening to get something done this month um and do something awesome i'm gonna message a few of the usual suspects and see what i can get Good deal. Yeah, I, 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 they always turn out amazing. So yeah. you'll probably hit up what uh, Thor and um, your other your other folks that usually do uh, your awesome covers. If Thor's available, yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, outside of that, I might just have um, see who else is available. Not at a million conventions and doing lots he, of stuff. Exactly. I know. Always busy. Yeah. And if they are, then I'll figure out something else. I would like to not just create a. You know, a, a general cover. I don't. I don't like doing that. I like to have artists do stuff with it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the Genesis one was done by Thor, and it's our. It was done five years Very ago. Very cool. So <laughs> it's like it's awesome looking. It's a it's a classic one. But um, but yeah, that's the uh, updates for the books. Um, should we uh, get back to news? Sure. Okay. So you brought up the other thing that I forgot to write down. So um, Nintendo had tweeted about a Legend of Zelda live-action movie coming out. And it's an interesting perspective, because everybody's hoping, and I hope too, um, that it is a mix of practical and digital effects. I hope Mm -hmm. that they do like a a combination. Um, And the thing is, they already have a tried-and-true way to do this that I actually really like, and that's the Witcher series. I don't know if you've watched. Oh, the okay, Witcher. yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm a huge Witcher fan. Love it. Yes, I love oh, yes. that show. That'd be great. I've, yeah. So you imagine if they have Legend of Zelda combined with the style of The Witcher. Oh boy, the, the that's man. that's that's what they need to do. I hadn't even considered that, but man, yeah, the grittiness and the real the realism and and just the way they integrate like you know the lore and everything. Man, that would work so well, and and hopefully. And didn't they actually say who is going to be directing? Um, they might have said the director. I didn't catch that. But yeah, I don't remember, you, but I, I my think question they didn't. For you, though, uh-huh. is 
do you want them to stick with a tried and true story that's already been told in the games or do you want them to create something new for this movie so you're talking to someone who's not i mean i'm a i'm a fan of um the legend of zelda and um they've they've done a good job throughout the entire uh you know the, the entire like lineage of the zelda games um of telling these really good stories mm-hmm. but i would like to see something new um so as a gamer who's played I, them. i hope that they don't do something new because really? if they do it'll turn into the legend of zelda cartoon excuse me princess but oh excuse they, me princess. they but they better say that at least once just in passing or something easter eggs like i yeah. i know i want it to be gritty and serious but i would then love you want jokes yes there's gonna be jokes yeah. He'll but, he'll say it. He'll say it. To me, I'm hoping that we get something in the canon of the Breath of the Wild Tears, Tears of the Kingdom universe. I hope I that agree. it continues that. And then I hope they take that and then apply a little bit of Castlevania Netflix magic on it. Because they took Castlevania, they did Rondo Blood and, and Castlevania 3, but then they sprinkle in more modern pieces to it and mm-hmm. expand the story. That's what I want them to do. I want them to take What's already going on with Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom? Imagine it in real life. I'm kind of like another example is what they did with One Piece. Mm. And the I, One I'm Piece not show. I'm not familiar with One Piece uh, enough so, to talk on it, but so One Piece they took the anime and on Netflix did a live action okay. mix of practical and and computer effects, and they did it amazing. Um, even Good. if you're not a fan of the cartoons, like you can watch the show and get a Mm -hmm. lot of enjoyment out of it. They did a one for one. I want them to do like a little bit of, you know, Witcher combined with one piece because one piece has some humor in it. So they could do the, excuse me, princess. Um, and I feel like there'd be a time and a place where you could have, especially if you're doing the breath of the wild tears, the kingdom universe, there's some lighthearted portions in there that you could do the Kilton sections and all those stuff where you just have fun with it. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like in tingle, and I feel like you could like, really. <laughs> I was thinking Tingle too. Yeah, and you could really go over the top because if you just go straight with like a link to the past, um, it's a strict serious story the whole time. Yeah, exactly. Like there are a lot of Zelda games that have no humor, um, that are just a serious story. Like you know, you're it's the end of the world. Like, Majora's Mask. My gosh. Um, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it just the world's ending and everything's shit and like you're you're the lone hero and you've got no help and well, yeah. good luck, buddy. <laughs> well, and then so the other piece is who do you see playing the actor and actress for Zelda and Link? And then the other piece is does it be like because everybody keeps posting Tom Holland and stuff, but like Tom Holland couldn't go there and not do one-liners. Link is a silent protagonist by nature. Mm-hmm. But does Link talk? That's the other question. So who do you think should be the actor and the actresses? And should Link talk? Being ridiculous, I'm going to say Chris Pratt and Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> but but seriously, um, it's going to be uh, it's going to be someone I, I think that we have not um, seen before. It's not going to be unless they go the the Hollywood route that they went with the with uh, Mario Brothers movie which I don't think they're going to do. They're probably going to go with some overseas talent we've never heard before. Oh. I mean, I've seen lots of, you know, um, 
casting on social media. The one that I liked is the um the one girl that plays uh, opposite of Scarlett Johansson in Black Widow. Um, she plays her sister in the oh, show. Oh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like she would do good. She's a smart ass, which is good too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like she would be a good one, because, especially if they go into the Breath of the Wild Tears of the Kingdom, where where Zelda's a stronger female representative. Yeah, which, for sure. I mean, that's a new modern trope. Is you know we don't have the damsel in distress, so I no, think she absolutely would be a not. good. I can't think of what her. I think it's a Pew, Florence Pew. Mm-hmm. I think it's her name. Um, but I think she would be a, a good representation for Zelda. Um, for Link, I mean, honestly, you know, like. Uh, if you had Henry Cavill style acting in it, not him as Link, because that would be dumb. No, yeah. But, but Link in the is Witcher, not jacked. He, but in The Witcher, he doesn't talk a lot. He does some, mm-hmm. but he doesn't talk a lot. So they do that style of a Link, but Link's not like huge muscles. That's where like everybody keeps going to Tom Holland. But um, sure, you know, it's I I can see where they're thinking Tom Holland, but I mean like. Honestly, did you think Tom Holland whenever you thought Uncharted? I no, sure and I didn't. I didn't really like that movie that much either. Yeah, me neither. But I don't know um, who they would have played Link. I I don't either. I mean, but you know, if if you're talking about Hollywood caliber people who are already proven, um, Jason Statham. <laughs> Jason Statham. The Rock uh, will be Link. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, I, I honestly think it's going to be – we're going to be surprised, and it's going to be someone that's not uh, proven in that way, not going to be like a Hollywood star like uh, you know Chris Pratt was for uh, Mario. Um, and, and, you know, to your, uh, to your point about the damsel in distress and, and how that's, that trope is gone, I mean, like, the, the proof is right there. Like, with Mario, uh, Princess Peach has always been the damsel in distress – they absolutely did not go that route in the movie. So they yeah. will absolutely not go that route in Zelda either. No. There's and, no and way. I mean, and that's the thing, though, is that um, it'll be actually ripe for a new actor. And it, it may not even be a new actor. It might be somebody who's sitting there in a bunch of different movies that just isn't as known as a big triple a act sure yeah but i mean you know i i think of like the the new star wars trilogy how like all of these actors uh came out of that and and have established themselves through that fame and i mean they're they're really good actors it's people i'd never heard of maybe other people have heard of them but i'd never heard of them before those those new star wars movies started coming out um, that's Star Wars in general. Nobody knew really who Harrison Ford was until Star true. Wars. True. Yeah. No. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. In hindsight, that's a, a very good point. He was just an American graffiti back in the day, and sure. that was it. And and you know that's also a George Lucas. But um. <laughs> so I I really think there's no shortage of of actors who have the physique of a Tom Holland that have some acting chops. So we're going to see someone that we've never heard of before, or maybe is lesser known. And I, I mean, and the thing is, is if they do that combined with a not a serious attitude, but like a realistic attitude for mm-hmm. the different overarching world and story. Um, and the thing is, if it's just a movie and not a series, I mean, they're going to have to do some kind of strict progress. Right. Like it can't. Cause it's yeah. Just like an hour yeah. And a half to two hours to tell the story. Well, it's not going to be like freaking the the Legend of Zelda cartoon where it ends on a cliffhanger and never ends. 
Oh, that made me so mad as a kid, dude. Like, the very last episode ends on a cliffhanger, and that was it. Never got any closure. Well, if you follow the comics... (laughs) (laughs) Was it the comics? (coughs) I don't think I have it with me here, but I do have the comics. Um, The thing is, if you follow the Nintendo Power comics, they definitely keep going with the story of The Legend of Zelda. Mm. A little more gritty, too. Yeah. I remember, I remember uh, when they actually had the Captain N episode where they brought in Link and Zelda. That was an amazing time. Yeah, that was yeah. cool. That was really cool. Huge Captain N fan here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that'll be the next thing that I want to see is a Captain N, the Game Master movie after this. I want to yeah. see it. I want to see it with <laughs> all the terrible tropes in it, too. Like Mega oh, Man. Oh, that'd be so good. Growling and stuff. Well, let's see. Who would you have to have on board? Nintendo owns Kid Icarus, Capcom. Game Boy. You'd have to have Capcom for Mega Man. You'd have to have Konami, Konami. for Simon. Yeah. And then so we'll just it, throw in the power team while we're doing it, too. Yeah, why the not? And get Heck Bigfoot yeah. in there and Kuros. And mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, a, mo- a modern. Okay, so who's who's on the modern Captain N team? Ooh. The I, modern... Instead of a Game Boy, you got a Steam Deck? <laughs> All right. So what do we do for the modern Captain N team? Let's do this. This is the Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. BGBS topic: Modern Captain and the Game Master. Team. And then let's just go one for one. Who replaces who? Because Mega Man's okay. out now. Who okay. takes Mega Man's place? Um, who takes Mega Man's place is Sans from Undertale. Okay, yeah, that's good. <laughs> so we got Sans. Yeah, that would Undertale. be some yeah some comedic uh, relief right there. Obviously, yep. yeah, um, yeah. Simon is you know obviously a comedic character. He's really vain in whatever. Um, but I'd like to see someone more serious take his place. Um, Who you got? Let's get Samus in there. Okay. So we have Samus, Aaron, um, from Dread, I would assume. Like, we yeah, got, from like, Dread, yes. That's grittier one, yes. All the progression. Um, so you got Samus, Aaron in there. Um, you have to have St. Tristan of Obara replacing Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> No, nah, my no. my uh my uh high school uh Letterman jacket had an F on it, not an N. So F for F Captain off. F. Captain <laughs> BS. Captain, Captain BS. F. Captain bullshit comes in. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> no. But um so I would say if we do the female representation, um probably a Celeste or Shantae. I'd say Shantae. Shantae, Shantae? would have to be in okay. there. Yeah, Shantae's been a, a bigger character recently i think we still keep captain n but he's just like middle-aged and like overweight (laughs) and still wearing his his uh letterman jacket and like living in the past like those were his prime days and he and and he he got uh he went back home after being sucked into video land and saving video land but now he has to like save it again because uh not, not mother brain is back but um oh who could uh, Dracula is always doing stuff. So why not? Yeah, well, Dracula. And and Simon's not even there to fight Dracula. S- Samus has to get Dracula now. And the think about thing it, like is we have his alternate bad guy and it's Captain S, but it's not Sega. It's Steam. Captain ooh. S is his alternate. Captain, Captain S. N. Yeah, cuz Captain S had an old YouTube channel with the Sega with the uh, you know, part of the normal I don't I don't remember what the um 
with the game trailers or whoever I know is associated with uh, that guy with the glasses, which is Nostalgia Critic and Angry Video Game Nerd. You got Captain S. Captain okay. Sega. But we'll, no, we'll have Captain Steam. The Captain Steam. Steam. That way it's the digital versus the physical. <laughs> I like Ever. it. I like it. And I then uh, the last one battle. is Kid Icarus we have to get rid of. Yeah. So, I mean, the Kid Icarus one could be a Celeste. It could be something like that. Because um, you got to think about like what big games there are, too. Yeah, that, that have come out a, since. That have a mascot or a character representation as well. Because, like... Because, for example, you have another strong character. You, you could literally have Kratos in there or something like that as a as a Kirby character. would be some pretty good, uh, like comedic relief and, and plus very versatile. I mean, like uh, he, he could save so many situations in, in the show yeah. just by eating something and turning into whatever he needed to turn into. Kirby would be in there. So, yeah, Kirby sounds like a, a win right there. OK, we got the new Captain S team. Captain N, and then the Captain S would be the bad guys. Oh, that's what I meant. And, yeah, Captain N. And and it wouldn't be bad guys. It would be more like the, the other good guys that are you know alternative and cool, like Kratos and other characters that would be in there. So you'd have just like main, and they'd all be kind of more mainstream and bland instead of like Nintendo style caricatures. You'd have main protagonist from Cyberpunk. <laughs> like, like random characters like you got a starfield you're gonna be a, a spaceship guy comes in and it's like oh it could be like, done and it changes episode to episode or it's just some random like who's this now oh this is from the major blockbuster game oh we were playing that last week and now it's gone <laughs> that's how oh, people are now we're a fickle bunch where you have people talking about and and about all these games like sonic superstars and now all of a sudden nobody's talking about it again they move on to the next thing and it's like, kevin indie world needs saving indie world yes amazing mm-hmm. yeah so there's a a good bullshit topic our own captain and team <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, so, um, by the way, another thing in the news, um, we had talked about a few weeks ago, the Atari 2600 plus, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My wife says she saw it at Costco. Really? Now, I'm not sure if it's this version or if it's just another Atari clone that she sucks. I was not with her, so I okay. did not claim on her video game. Well, I, I mean, that kind of lines up because, uh, dude, uh, uh, Slopes Game Room got uh, a 2600 plus to um, review, and he put it up uh, yesterday. Uh, a video okay. up yesterday. Nice. Yeah. Friend of the podcast, Daniel Slope. <laughs> Daniel right. Everson, DJ Slope, DJ Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's good stuff. Like my thing is though, is that with having an analog pocket, like I have no reason to get any type of modern emulation machine i'd rather get a retro console that plays it perfectly yeah yeah um there there are all these platforms that are kind of vying for this weird void space they want to be like the end-all be-all when it comes to like indie games and and an emulation machine and and uh, like an all-in-one kind of thing where xbox series s tried to kind of be for a little bit yeah um but like the atari 2600 plus you know obviously they're trying to like uh lean on their atari um franchises in order to get in people's 
living rooms or game rooms nowadays. Um, well, the, the interesting piece is too is that you know they had also bought Atari Age, so they have the whole aftermarket. I forgot about on that Atari Age, and then they're they have that storefront, so you can buy new Atari games. But um, mm-hmm. the interesting piece is that they're opening themselves up to a lot of user error because imagine if I go to the swap meet and buy dollar Atari games and they're all corroded as hell, and I put them into my new twenty six hundred plus cartridge, yeah. it doesn't work Atari, and they call say it doesn't work. And then mm-hmm. you're literally having to troubleshoot old tech from the eighties. Sure. <laughs> um, like I don't, I don't see that being um, fun because either they're just going to no. tell people that they just can't help you. And then you have an angry person or they're spending hours on the phone trying to fix something or on a tech support channel. Well, and, and not only that, I mean, yeah, they've obviously got a storefront, right? But I mean, like how much are you going to be, how much are they asking you to pay for combat? Right. Yeah. What a dollar, two dollars? At that well, point, it's not worth the the, the hassle. How much of, does limited run games charge you for all their games that they republished? It was like sixty to a hundred dollars for those games. Yeah, they were. Um, which is insane <coughs> because again, not you know dogging anything that they're doing, but like doing reproductions of physically licensed games to me seems like missing the point. Um, yeah. So like I'm not gonna pay more than a dollar or two for combat. There's millions and millions of copies out there, so like there's no way. Well, let's let's call it spade a spade here. Uh, when it comes to Atari, they've they've tried to keep themselves relevant, kind of like Madonna does. Like, uh, hey, look at me, uh, and, and try and I don't know. They're 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 putting all this stuff out there and trying to keep relevant uh, in in like a space where they haven't been relevant in years. Yeah. And sorry, Madonna. I just don't think you are. Uh, but <laughs> Atari 2600 plus is the Madonna video. Uh, anyway. Um, but <laughs> yeah, anytime they pull a stunt like that, like, you know, selling a new Atari game for a hundred dollars, um, it, it, it's a bridge too far for, uh, most retro gamers. I mean, I mean, I'm not even interested in the republishing of generally available or mediocre, technically, titles like the Jurassic Park series recently. That there's yeah. a million versions, Game Boy, mm-hmm. Nintendo, Super Nintendo. Like, I rented those as a kid. They were cool for a weekend rental. Um, I own a lot of those as I bought them for a couple bucks. But buying a new version, and I even think that the color they use for the cartridge is like orange or something, and it's just like, to me, number one, it doesn't look like it belongs with the Super Nintendo. And then no. number two is that the games, they're not like stellar IPs. No. Um, and I mean, we, we can kind of talk about IM8 bit and how they did, like, uh, what was it, Mega Man, Mega Man 2, Mega Man X, and uh, Street Fighter Street two. Fighter. Um, those didn't really need to exist either, did they? I mean, did, are, did they do we also have a sh- do the uh, Return of the Double Dragon as well? Uh, maybe. somebody did that. I, I don't did. remember. So, yeah, which was the Japanese version of Super Double Dragon that fixed a bunch of issues that were in the original. Release. Uh, that one's kind of cool, and I can see a merit in that. But um, you know, just re-releasing like brand new, um, like <laughs> you know. I, a collector's edition of a, a game that came out and sold millions. It's weird. It's weird to me. Well, and it's funny is like they did that like years ago, right? Like a couple years ago, they did yeah, that that, that wasn't recently. And you know what's funny though is that you see that, and then like limited run games is like hold my beer, <laughs> like I'm gonna take that, I'm gonna raise that to the next level, and it's yeah. like 
The thing that I do love, though, is that it's allowed um, indie developers to get supported. So, like, for example, though, on the other side, Limited Run has SkateCat up there for physical pre-order. SkateCat, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is awesome because yeah. you're highlighting games that were not commercially available. Yes. Um, and then there was one, I, I think it was Fan Gamer, not IMA Bit, but it was um, Holy Diver got a U.S. release. Yeah, I like that. See, that that is cool because that's the first time that it's ever been, you know, truly available for purchase for us. Too. Yeah, great really, packaging. I mean, it was like super high quality. I uh-huh. loved that release. Like that one was awesome. And yeah, no disrespect that, you know, for stuff like that. Like it's got that's that's got merit all day long in my book. So there's there's pros and there's cons to both sides. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I don't want to see the the retail stuff coming back out, but <coughs> if they do push out like a Dracula X in the US on the turbo, I'm down. I like that too. Getting Rondo mm-hmm. Blood US version. I'm okay with that because it has an official translation on there that's approved by Konami. But I don't, so, I don't need a re-release of uh, a boy and his blob on uh, Game Boy. Sorry, guys. No, no, I want any of that. And that's the other piece is, is you know, we're both uh, with Premium Edition Games, and they're only doing homebrew right now, which is, I wouldn't say that's hopefully the goal going forward. I, I don't like seeing anything but brand new indie developers getting supported. Absolutely. Yeah, not much on the the reproductions or the like. Like if it's a new translation, I'm down. I mean, heck, if you know my background, Tristan, um, I did the Mother Three physical release that mm-hmm. I just did a small version for Nintendo Age. I didn't do like this massive, make it available online. I got approval from Fan Gamer, which is the guys who made the translations, Tomato Team. Got yeah. approval for them to use it um, and be able to sell it at auction at the camp out Nintendo H camp out in 2012. So I did a small release and I did a small non big box release for, um, the website and that's it. And then people yeah. had went crazy, replicated it, made it way better quality. Cause I did it all by hand back in the day, but I wanted a physical copy of the game that I could play in my game boy advance. With- and it's, it's so funny, dude, because I mean, you and I have that in common. You did it way before I ever started doing it, but around 20, 20- 15 um i started doing reproductions also of like saturn games that i wanted in my collection that had been like patched um you know like police knots i did and i did um a whole bunch of like shoot 'em ups i did uh um oh gosh sorry oh, escaping gosh. me at the moment but oh yeah uh symphony of the night or nocturne in the moonlight the uh saturn version yeah. Um, I actually reached out to the the person who did the translation and got their permission to do a run of of those games. So and and I had no idea that you had done any of that stuff. You had no idea that I had done any of that stuff. But nope. you know, I've actually worked with John Miller on a few of releases myself, like uh, games or um, retro game challenge two, which turns out you're a huge fan of. So. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we got these things in common. We're both passionate about making stuff that we want. We just want to make cool shit. Yeah. Just like you say. Exactly. And it's been super crazy being able to make the, the fun stuff going forward and now being a part of the actual mm-hmm. community has been awesome. Being legit, as, as it may say. Has been yeah, le- legitimate releases legitimate actually releases. recognized by Nintendo. Like, and Like licensed whatnot. releases by Nintendo and yes. Sony. Yeah. And then, Speaking of. Yeah, yeah. We just got a uh, notification that uh, something's shipping. Mm-hmm. Yes, we did. So yeah, we've been so waiting. 
on a printer because we make um dog yeah. tags in house for pre-orders and so um now the the printer has been fixed so the dog tags are are being made so we are shipping pre-orders for the retroware duology tristan yeah Let's we got eagle island twist mm-hmm. which also includes the original eagle island and love three Exactly, and those games are awesome. Um, and Retroware will have their own version as well that they had asked for, which will be um, less fancy. It'll be more bare bones, um, but it's still gonna have the same interior inside the Switch case, which which mm-hmm. includes the manual and the challenge card. And you can still qualify for the challenge if you do the challenge inside that game. Uh, but they wanted a bare bones version, um, which is completely fine, and they're gonna I think put it up for Black Friday up on Amazon, um, which hopefully will be on Amazon as well. That's up to um, mm-hmm. you know our team to get it up there. Um, but you know, if, if you get the uh, retro edition of Eagle Island Twist, uh, yours truly wrote a, uh, a strategy guide, a mini strategy guide for it that's pretty freaking awesome. So Pretty amazing. Yeah. I'm yeah. looking forward to getting that in my hands big time. Big time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, that's a really, really cool uh, version. Um, and then we also, it's still in assembly because we do assembly in-house. The Raji Collector's Editions have arrived. Yes. Um, and that includes a giant art book that we've, uh, we were both intimately involved with the creation mm-hmm. of. More than we should have been. But that's okay. It is what it is. One yeah. look good. And, and the thing is, that box looks even better in person than it did on, in the digital mock-ups. I like, can't wait to see it. Looks so good. Like so impressed with the way Very that cool. it turned out. But yeah, that's that's the fun thing on the creation side. Is we get to work on all these books, and we're working on game releases at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I heard was is the last update for uh, Super Dungeon Maker may be getting applied. Oh, um, I was just thinking about that today. And so. That'll be something during the Christmas time that we'll have to put the finishing touches on because I know mm-hmm. Wife Quest has been done. We're waiting on Super Dungeon Maker. We're going to do a combo, get it in production. And I know we got a little design work to do for Super Dungeon Maker. But but because of the way that we work, we have to get the patch. We have to play it. We have to apply well, it. Well, yeah, I, I can't make a, a, a you know strategy guide or a um, uh, an instruction manual for a game that's not complete. So, you know, and I mean? there's a second playable character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not the rooster. Oh, it's not the rooster. It is. From what I'm tracking, it's a knight. You get to play as a knight uh, to go. Through. Does he wear green? And you get a knight. I don't know if he wears green, Tristan, but he definitely <laughs> is a knight. Um, Unfortunately, and I'm still trying to get um, the developers to do it. They did not add touchscreen yet to the Switch version. Hmm. Which to me, when you're creating dungeons, the touchscreen on the Steam Deck makes it so much better. Which is yeah, why dude. It's so I want the Switch one to be the ultimate version, and I've been there's been an internal back and forth, but um, I'm not the developers, so we will make mm-hmm. recommendations, and yeah. you know, and you know, Josh and Barry have been on all those meetings, so. so I mean, well, yeah, I and I mean, like, you know, to to those v- listeners who feel like you have no yeah. no power here. Um, if you guys feel passionately enough that that you think that it needs to touch controls or or whatever uh, quality of life features uh, that you can think of, reach out to us, and we we have a direct line to those developers so we can let them know what you guys are saying. 
Exactly. You get enough people that say it, then they're going to you know, make it happen. Because I think they had a choice between more content or adding the features, and they went for more content is what mm-hmm. the digital publishers did. But that wasn't anything to do with the physical publishers. So yeah. it is fun, though. Can't wait. Oh, Can't wait. Goodness. goodness, goodness. So shall we talk about our bullshit homework? Yes, we shall. Nice. So um, this time the random roulette pulled up a game called Death State. Interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. Death State was developed and published by Bread Machine Games. Bread Machine (laughs) Games. And it was awesome because it was released in October 19th of 2015 so it was right around Mm. birthdays which is awesome um but 2015 so the game is eight years old right now um it's called an action roguelike um we had talked about on the episode that we thought it was going to be like um more like vampire survivors and it is not it's more like demons tier plus in actuality which is super (coughs) cool um so I'll lay a little wallpaper, and then we'll talk about like how much we've played in our experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, Death State is a roguelite, bullet-hell, single-stick shooter set in a bizarre world of dimensional exploration. You play as a number of unique characters trying to discover the fate of Professor Elenberg, <laughs> who opened a portal to the void. Uh, great and terrible mysteries and even greater treasures await if you are bold or foolhardy enough to go beyond the beyond and there it says it talks about like the bizarre world of death state um you're a traveler of the outer realms you have discovered the secrets of deep astral projection by entering into a fully death-like meditative state um while in your death state you go beyond the beyond to realms previously only imagined by those enlightened or mad enough to dwell upon them <laughs> Tread lightly, though, for these far planes of demi-existence that you choose to explore are extremely hostile to mortal souls. And then mm. it goes on to features. But um, so yeah, um, this one we came upon randomly <laughs> in in the uh, you know what's up on my Steam Deck. Um, feel like it was a an excellent one. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, what are your thoughts on it, Tristan? I really enjoyed it, and uh, I I couldn't quite put my finger on how to uh, um, describe the controls, but uh, I, I don't know if you were like reading that straight off of something, but single stick shooter, perfect way of putting it. Single yep. single stick, because well, you know twin twin stick, you're usually like aiming where you're aiming. going to shoot. And but, so like the shots come automatically when you mm-hmm. get in vicinity of an enemy. Um, and then the other piece is you also use the second stick to dodge. Yeah. And I didn't quite get used to the dodge mechanic because it's not as it's really quick. It's really quick. It has a really quick recharge as well. Um, so I didn't really see myself. I, I honestly, a a lot of the time I forgot even had a, a dodge. Whereas, like, in something like Enter the Gungeon, the dodge is really, really important and prevalent. You can get away with not dodging in this one. Um, At least I did, because I hardly used it. Um, But I I really liked, uh, like, I I played four different levels. um, And the progression of difficulty as you go along, you know, with the... um, 
with the enemies, you know, obviously uh, you're, you're going to run into some bosses eventually, uh, which I did. And it's pretty challenging. And, you know, don't tell Demon's Tear Plus this, but I wish we would have had this one instead. I enjoyed well, this one so much more. We can more. always sign this one in the future. I This one's so good to me, man. I, well, li- and, I really like this so one. So when you said that you did four levels, did, was that four run-throughs? Or did you just get through Oh, yeah, four sorry, four run-throughs, yes. Because oh, okay. I, I, yeah, I... I made it so far. Uh, there was one boss that I died on. I can't even remember. It was I fought the boss last, uh, like right after we recorded last week. So I don't remember what boss it was. But right before we recorded here, I did the fourth playthrough, um, and I was at a boss whenever you said that you were ready. So I just kind of quit. But okay. um, it's so much fun, man. Like it's such. One of, the, it's a, one of the fun bosses was there's this one where you're fighting four different colors. Of a boss and their magic, and they all shoot bullet hell stuff. Oh at yeah, you. that that that's the one. That's the and one. And then as you kill them, you kill all four, and then they then they combine one giant boss. Uh huh. Yes. So the interesting piece is, in true lo- roguelike fashion, as you play through, there are random drops from enemies. There's random mm-hmm. drops from different um, treasure chests, and then there's stuff that you can buy throughout each run. Um, and don't so they my, call them organs? Like you eat the organs or something like that? Well, and there's a head, a chest, a scrotum, and a stomach <sighs> um, that you can get all the organ pieces for. Okay. And I'm pretty sure when you get one, it just replaces it. It doesn't allow yeah. you to mm-hmm. toggle. Yeah, it doesn't um, stack. No. But uh, if you pause it with the select button, I don't think it's the pause button, but the select button, it actually shows all the different stuff that you have. Oh. Um. And my first run through though was pretty OP, like it was pretty overpowered. And I got to the second, like first world, then the second world, and I got to the boss of the second world and died. Okay, um, yeah, I didn't make it past the second world, but I, I wasn't exactly trying either. I was just trying to like put the game through its paces and see what like com- kind of complete everything and make sure I didn't miss. Did anything. you unlock any characters? I did not. No. So I unlocked this Scarface dude my hmm. first playthrough. Um, when I got there, I unlocked this scar dude and his, uh, the difference is, is that they seem very similar cause you start with a girl. Um, and I think it's the X button does their little attack. Um, and he has a different explosion attack. And then as you collect items, you get another, a second attack that you can collect that you like an orb or something that follows you around. It mm-hmm. does a second attack. And then there's two different weapon modifiers which is freaking wild and those stack in unique ways so you have your shot which always goes and you can upgrade that and then like i got this sword and the sword does like the sword thing all around me sick and on top of it then it got a laser and i had lasers that were honing in and i didn't realize that there would be like worse progression or better progression so i replaced the laser with something else and it sucked that oh no awful. yeah uh-huh. the laser was all now i got to the second world with the lasers um now did you also unlock the second route? No. So essentially, you'll see it at, at the beginning. There's like maps. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like world one, world two. Well, you can start in world one, Bravo, instead of world oh, one. Alpha. No, I, I, if I did, I didn't notice. And so I'll, I'll just say that. I I want to say I did five or six playthroughs, but I unlocked a lot during that first overpowered run. Okay. The second world, though, I played through it as the dude. Um, and it's like, there's different enemies and different unlock stuff, but it's always similar. You play three levels, three iterations of a level, and then a boss fight. Still do that for each one. Um, I don't think I beat the boss of the, or no, I did beat the boss of the one 
Bravo, and then it took me back to the regular World 2. I didn't get to the World 2 Bravo. So you might have to unlock them in the original world to get it unlocked. But um, very interesting that there's like a bunch of different unlocks that you haven't seen, a bunch of different wild pieces you haven't seen. Did you... But, the, but the second time I went to that alternate world, I was with the girl, and then there was these zombies that were popping in. It was like zombie world. Oh, wow. And so, like, I'm playing, you're fighting your enemies, and all of a sudden, every once in a while, it's like this big 3D, and it's like a zombie pops up. And there's oh, wow. a ton, and they're overpowered as shit. Like, <coughs> what was your question, Tristan? I was going to say, did you uh, come across an altar at all while you were playing through? Did you pick up the book from the altar? and they give you Yeah, you like, desecrate yeah. the altar. Oh, there's, there's two different altars. So there's the altar with the book, which you can grab a book, and it gives you extra power. Oh yeah, Dang. I and that's yeah okay. I know what you're talking about. No, I I randomly came across an altar and it says, you "Do you want to desecrate it?" And you and fight like, Cthulhu. Yeah, I want to desecrate it. You yeah, fight and, Cthulhu. Uh huh. Yeah. Did you beat Cthulhu? No, that was that was the one that I was fighting. Whenever you said that you were ready to podcast. So to me, I, wa- I was whooping its ass. Well, to me, Cthulhu. Um, desecrating the altar. It's available on the first level. It gets you an auto power up immediately, which is nice. Mm. So it gets you gets you some kind of modifier to either power up your shot or power up something. Uh, it's one thing that I did notice is each iteration. So you got three levels in a boss, three levels in a boss. I think I got to the second or the third, or maybe the boss of the second one. They continually, all the enemies continually get stronger. So if you don't upgrade your character uh, with the attack, you're gonna struggle as you go through because you have to do a lot of dodging. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely desecrated the altar. Um, and well, I, yeah, <laughs> I think it unlocked on after now. the first playthrough. Um, is this not a, on the original playthrough? It wasn't unlocked, but dude, it, the game is really fun. It's super casual, super chill. Um, you yeah. want to die a lot. Um, let me see what I wrote in my notes. Cause I did write some notes down last week when I played, um, I played as two characters, one, and this is what happened in my second playthrough. I transformed into a demon. Oh. Like, he literally, the dude, turned into this giant demon. I think it's just a power-up modifier. But he turned into a super overpowered demon going through. And it was awesome. Um, was it like a couple of uh, power-ups combined? It was like a synergy or just a power-up that you picked up that turned you? Okay. I don't think I know enough about the game yet to know yeah. if it was like a double combo or if it was literally just yeah. a demon power-up. Because one would think if you're consuming and adding all these body parts, if you do all four in a certain way, maybe it does something Well, too. that's that's my favorite thing about The Binding of Isaac is like the way different items interact with each other and synergize. And so yeah. if, if this game has synergies, that excites me a lot. Well, and I love the pick up and play mentality. Um, yeah. Oh, we dude. Yeah, playing. you can totally pick this game up and just play well, anytime. When we were playing Project Starship X, it like was good for short bursts. This game is mm-hmm. good for short bursts, even yeah. though I tend to play this longer than I did Project Starship X. Like I'm sitting there playing, and mm-hmm. I'm playing it for like 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Like it's a long playthrough. I also feel like you're gonna have to grind and play a little harder before you get some real serious unlocks. Um, it doesn't seem like you're getting like powered up quickly, if that makes sure. sense. Yeah. Like so that I think it's gonna be a little grindy um, as you replay stages. Gungeon is the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I wrote down different weapons that change your attack. I had a cool ass laser that was like literally crushing people. Um, yeah. There is character magic attack and then a second magic attack, as we mentioned the 
Right Stick does a dash, which I haven't mastered, which is true. Um, yeah. Mm-mm. Tons of treasure chests. Uh, there's four parts to each level with the boss at the end. Can get past the first boss, no issues. Have two runs and have not made it past the second boss at that point when I was on my second run. I didn't even get to the second boss after that again, though. Um, the different passes have different paths have different enemies and bosses, and there are permanent upgrades too for that run only. Um, so they like you get permanent upgrades as you go between each one, but they don't like hold over, but they're unlocked if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, collecting money also allows you to buy items and weapons. Um, I did the random chest and I never got anything but money once. Hmm. I never got crap from the random chest. Um, and then um it's there's also these um potion modifiers and i think the potions which you press with the b button um i don't think that they were labeled i think they're random on each run so each color Hmm. potion so i had one that was like a blue orange one i had one that's a red one that's a clear one there's a bunch of potions i don't know if you messed with the potions at all no i didn't yeah Mm -hmm. I, i think like one's like i feel magically charged one is Everything gets... I feel sludge, and it turns slow, and it's like bullet time, everything. But the enemies are moving fast, but you're moving slow, and you could weave. But they're all still moving fast as shit, and you're like... But you're able to like kind of carve a little bit, like a like okay. a carve button on the shoot 'em up Yeah. But, yeah, there's. it seems like um, we've only just scratched the surface. Uh, yeah, um, which, uh, in a game like that, that's you know fun from the get-go uh it's gonna be fun you know like uh, i i always compare it to the binding of isaac because i'm just such a huge fan of that game um uh, that that game was fun in the first hour i played it and it's fun in the thousandth hour i've played it um that's just because of all the content and i feel like this one's probably got a lot of content yeah, I feel like it's not as gross as Binding of Isaac, but there is a bunch of yeah. horror tropes <laughs> and sci-fi tropes. Yeah. Um, yeah, because there was even something when I was going through the level and the one that you use for the background here. Um, I was going through that level, and then there was like a little face that I saw in the top right corner. It says press the A button to activate something. I pressed the A button and it activated something. I don't know what it activated. Mm. I never found out what it did. It might be something that happens in multiple levels that you have to find, and then once you yeah. get to the end, maybe it unlocks a different level or something. I don't know. But there's definitely some complexities to this game, some secrets to find, which are the best when you're playing a roguelike that you play multiple playthroughs through the same levels. Yeah. Still, though, your favorite Spine of Isaac, my favorite roguelike is a robot named Fight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, by far. Uh, completely different uh, games. One's a you know you could call it a Metroidvania, and the other one's a twin stick shooter. Yeah, I like yeah. Robot Name Five more than Dead Cells too, which Dead Cells yeah. is great too though. That's an awesome one. But um, yeah, this one for Top Down, this is one of one of the best ones I've played. Um, I yeah, especially for a random pick. Yeah. Um, we we've been so, getting some doozies, man. It's good stuff. Well, it's so so if Binding of Isaac is S tier for you, where yeah. do you, and and Demon's Tier Plus is probably like a B, right? Yeah. Like that's a it's a solid B top. Where does this fit in? Does this fit into the A minus for you? Where is it at? It, yeah, it feels like an A minus to me so far. Um, mm-hmm. I it, it might it might get demoted. Uh, I don't think it's it's not going to go into like solid A ever, but it might get demoted to B plus if it doesn't live up to my expectations right now. I will be playing this more. 
Yeah. Um, this is going to be in the rotation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it in my favorites in my backlog. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to put it in there so that every once in a while I'll just pop it on. Um, ironically, I played a robot named Fight this morning a little bit. I played a, a playthrough, and I got to the um, – there's a section where it's like frozen area, and you fight a, a giant – frozen version of one of the other bosses and no. kicked my butt and i haven't played it in a long time a long long time um but this is in my rotation now so this is an a minus and the grindy feeling that i'm dreading if that goes away it could elevate itself it just depends on the power-ups the unlocks and if it's truly random every single run or there's a little bit of controllability to things if you can control a little bit of it and like maybe like gauge in your your progression as you play hundreds of hours or something then i think it'll unlock a little more fun aspects to me um but it really just depends on on what unlocks because if it's as it currently is it'll be an a minus maybe a b plus in the future if it's super grindy yeah i i feel like it has it has the potential of going down in my eyes but i i i'm not giving it more than uh, an a minus I just, you know, unless it turns into a completely different game, and I'm like, what the, you know, no, I don't think so. Yeah, that's an A minus so, to me. I have a good uh, VGBS question for you, Tristan. After mm-hmm. we talked our homework, because obviously we're playing Super Mario RPG for the next homework. Like that's what's happening in a couple days. Mario RPG comes out. Um, so one thing I had done at my old HagensAlley.wordpress.com, which that website is up and running again. I actually have all the redirects gone, so the blog is back. To, it's just a classic blog. I'm not updating anything. It's just as a historical piece. Um, I had initially put all the games that we had played for Bullshit Homework up there. Um, initially, oh. I was doing Perler Beads for everyone and all that oh, stuff cool. that playing, which was fun. But my question for you is, we are book dudes. Shall we do a VGBS? Oh, a BS homework book. Chronicles. I would fucking love that. Oh my gosh, dude. I say let's start that, and I'll do it in my Culture Chronicles or the Metroidvania Chronicles style. So it's going to be bullshit homework. And we're going to talk the good, the bad, all of them. And I think we'll just start from when we started back up. Um, I will create a historical one as well for to to um mm-hmm. as a tribute to kyle but um i think us doing it and kind of doing our notes sooner than later we don't want to get a season or two behind but actually yeah. having in there tristan's feedback jeff's yeah. feedback like our feedback on the games and whether we went back to it too because there's going to be some time mm-hmm. so i think damn you and your good ideas ah hey we did VGBS season one on Nintendo cartridge with all the synopsis of every episode on it, which was, which, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I ever mentioned this. Oh, maybe I did. Uh, but, um, I, I actually went back. I found, I, and I have no idea what, what search on eBay brought it up, but I found that cart of VGBS, like that Nintendo cart on eBay and I purchased it. Nice. So I, I have that, a copy of that. And I, I haven't put it in my NES. I think I will. But what a cool little artifact, especially well, and, being part of this thing now. And the thing that's cool about it is is that it started um, with a choose-your-own-adventure-style backbone 
that Bunny mm-hmm. Boy from Retro USB had created. And I ha- I worked with Teples, which Teples and Memblers are the two NES homebrew creators. They're the guys. They're the godfathers. They're the ones that created. Memblers I've heard of. The other one I've never yeah. heard of. Teples is also the other one. And Teples had helped uh, me reprogram that into something that has a artistic uh piece to it so you can select music and go through everything so that he it's essentially the menu system could be a choose your own adventure game but um it goes through the menu system the music's created by a bunch of homebrew legends um really awesome music in there and then they helped uh temples also helped get all the actual art from like kyle and i onto the nes and the logos and all that stuff in there too um we kept it pretty general but it's um it's still super cool and then we put all the backers from the kickstarter in there as well that's sick dude yeah it was just a super fun little project something that's never been done before in that way is categorizing uh it's it's literally like a little like mini collector's cartridge a collector's guide of the episodes it's a piece of time but um but yeah so i think doing a bullshit homework book 100 percent on board i think that'd be freaking awesome yeah, that's so, a great idea. So yeah, there you go. And and listeners, hit us up wherever you can shoot us a message on social media or get in our Discord and make us use Discord because um, we never do it. Or hit us in the Higgins Alley Facebook page because that's mm-hmm. also somewhere um, that we don't utilize as much as we could. Because again, working active duty army i have only have so much time in the day right now can't yeah. really push all the social medias i mean like what i'll do is i've I'll got no excuse um you're working on three thousand well i guess i have one excuse <laughs> <laughs> i have 2400 excuses yeah you're almost at three thousand pages dude that's insane yeah. um so you have we, have we all have excuses um i mean i'm working on you know my end portion of my military career so as that winds down um, once I move, then I'll have time to, to dig in and we'll have some fun. Cause I got a bunch of other cool ideas and fun stuff as I go around and do conventions as a guest and all that. I got ideas to have fun. Yeah. Um, and we're just going to create the damn legacy. Like you were saying, this is why we do video game bullshit is to kind of document time and place. This is the time where we might have a bullshit homework book. I love it. Yep. And Absolutely I still got a, a whole nother project I'm working on that I haven't announced to at the same time. And it's, there's a million of them. But the Bullshit Homework one, um, we can literally just do it in conjunction with the end of a season or something. Sure. Because um, if it's like – and it could be bookazine because if it's 25 games, not necessarily 25 games, but 25 episodes um, – I think that that's a. a I I can't believe it's almost been 25 episodes since we started, uh, you know, podcasting. You know, I I missed a couple of them. Um, you know, where you had like uh, guests on. Yeah, um, like uh, but, Kevin came on after uh, uh-huh. Kyle's passing and everything. Kevin was able mm-hmm. to come on and talk. Um, which ironically, I still have to talk about. He challenged me to play Doom Eternal, and I still haven't had him back on because he's been busy as shit. Yeah. Um. You know, I think he was alluding to it, but I'm assuming by now they've announced that they're having another child. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so that popped up. Well, and yeah. Yeah. Kids. So, so that like he got super, super busy. But I we definitely got to have Kevin on to talk Doom Eternal um, and how I played it and why I haven't went back because so much other shit going on, dude. Yep. 
And uh, you said at the beginning of the episode, we, we didn't uh, record yesterday because both of us were feeling under the weather. Um, you probably noticed I've, you know, un- or I've muted my microphone a few times just to cough. I don't want to, like, cough in your guys' ear, but I'm still getting over this, whatever it is. And I'm just old. <laughs> yeah, he's just old. Not, not not podcast topic, but yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's not like yeah, you're right. you're only like seven days older than I am. Like yeah, the, I guess those seven days make a difference. I mean, we could talk off episode, but <laughs> just how old yeah. you are. <laughs> but um, no, it's it's super super fun doing the episodes, man. And like, well, like this right here, if you already have this uh, format, the little upgrade. Mid episode yeah. upgrade, you have to do like a transition. Hey, like we little, we like just warp. needed a reason to do it, and Skype uh, forced our hand. I think so. It did. It was being a pain in the butt, and I don't know if it's something within my computer, if it's because we moved the internet over. But I went to the internet, so I think it's something to do with my computer or just Skype itself um, might be causing problems. What's awesome is you know if we ever do have guests uh, uh, along with us, I mean, dude, we can have as many as eight people in this. That's crazy. craziness. So that's crazy. I don't know if we want to ch- try that, but <laughs> well, <laughs> we have I the mean, ability if we want to. I mean, in the future, I'd like to have on, um, you know, some of the developers of the games that we're working with, mm-hmm. with premium and all that stuff. And I mean, we know a lot of people, so I mean, I'd have on whoever to talk about their stuff. I mean, that's yeah. why we had slope on there. There was one week that you weren't available and yeah. Back when Coffin was recording, um, when he mm-hmm. wasn't available, and I recorded with Daniel Ebertson, little slope, TJ Slope, and yep, that was yep. fun. Yeah, we just did some little fun stuff, but yeah, I like the little formats. Clean, it's simple. We just change out the background to be whatever we're playing. Yeah, this little cool little ticker down here to sh- tell people, like you know, if they jump into to a random spot in the video podcast, they'll they'll know what we're talking about. Although exactly. we haven't talked about Super Mario RPG Remake yet, and I, I kind of jumped the gun, but whatever. <laughs> well, and, and we'll not transition the ticker every time, but sure. it'll... Um, but yeah, so we are going to be playing the Super Mario RPG Remake. Um, I can't wait. I, I pre-ordered wait. it at GameStop, which I don't usually pre-order because they had a pin set that I'm going to get. Mm-hmm. So I'll have to show off whatever the pin set is. Um, oh now, when gosh. it comes to Super Mario RPG... Um, are we going to do a couple episodes with it, or are we going to wait until we get to a point where we need to talk about it? Because I, I anticipate, I, I do. There's no way I'm not going to talk about it next week. Yeah. Like when we record, I'm going to be so like just bursting to talk about it. There's no way. Like you know, I, obviously, and from what I've heard, it's a pretty true remake. Like there's no spoilers that we could do because if you played the original, then you've played the story for the second one. That, so I hear. Um, hmm. There are going to be some surprises, I'm sure, as far as like so. mechanics go, and maybe some humor. So we'll we'll try and be spoilery free um, as as much as possible, but we'll have plenty to talk about anyway. And, and, and I, I really say, want to. Like listeners can correct me if I'm wrong, but this might be the first game that we've done the original as a video game bullshit episode back in the day, <clears> and now the remake. That's as cool. A, as a new one, which would be cool. Um, now because we have a few days in between, um, I do have a game that I recommend that I'll talk about next mm. week. Um, that I'm playing on my Nintendo Switch. It's called Save Me, Mr. Taco. G A K O. <laughs> Save and, Me, Mr. Taco. Yep. It was released okay. physically by Limited Run Games as the definitive edition. It has Game Boy aesthetics, but it is a platformer. You play as a little squid, little octopus guy, and you shoot okay. stuff. 
and it plays. It's an oh, action. taco, like takoyaki. Takoyaki. <laughs> I get it. Exactly. Um, what's cool, though, is that it has different abilities in the form of hats that you can have that change the way you shoot. So initially you shoot a little ink pellet, but then you can get like an arrow or other stuff. So okay. I was playing it a little bit this morning. Um, and I also did some retro um, game uh, roulette that was playing last night on my Steam Deck. Nothing really crazy. There's a lot of games I'm going to delete, actually. But um, <laughs> I was doing budget titles. Sure. I was doing budget titles on my Steam Deck. So I was just sitting there after I had finished doing formatting for the Metroidvania Chronicles. And I'm like, all right, let me play some games. Um, but I'm going to play some Save Me, Mr. Taco until Super Mario RPG comes out. And right now at the time of this recording, it's Monday. So I got about four days that I can maybe play after work or whatever. I might jump in and play some some levels because levels are short. It reminds me of old school Kirby. Um, okay. So like Game Boy Kirby. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. To me, I'm going to play through and see how far I get before Mario RPG obsesses and takes over my life. So Mario RPG kind of reminded me of uh, the, this this get-together that I had, that little like game tournament I was talking about that I had this past week on, on Saturday. Um, you gotta, you got to come up I, with a name for these game tournaments, by the way. You had, literally had a trophy. <laughs> what's, the, what's the name? Yeah, whatever. Um, but anyway, um, we... I, I played a game on Super Nintendo I'd never played before um, that Ooh. you might be surprised that I never played. What and I, I really enjoyed it. It's actually a really fun game. Um, I never knew. Uh, Zombies Ate My Neighbors. You've never played Zombies Ate My Neighbors? I had never played it before. I'd never seen Holy it before. Holy cow. I, I mean, I knew about it. I'd never seen what, what the game was actually about. Oh, Zombies Ate My um, Neighbors is excellent. Like, And I love playing yeah, it. Yeah, it's really good. Um, back uh-huh. in the day, I used to play the Sega Genesis version with Kyle <clears throat> over at the Stabbing Cabin, over at his cabin. Yeah, yeah. Um, we used to play the original. Um, and then later on, when I um, got back into collecting after deployment and got my collection back, I actually came across a copy of Ghoul Patrol. And that's the sequel mm. to Zombies and My Neighbors. Oh, I didn't realize that was the sequel. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, not as good as the Super Nintendo Zombies and My Neighbors. And the Super Nintendo one is, in my opinion... The better version versus Genesis versus Super Nintendo. Because like, like I mean, uh, yeah, I was I grew up a Genesis kid, so yeah, I was aware of that game. But the game that I played, that I assumed it was, it was kind of more of the same. Um, I played uh, ha- the Haunting by Polter, you know, with Polter. Oh, way different, yeah. Yeah, way different, way different, way different. But no, in my head, not- for some reason, I thought it was like the same kind of thing. So. Now, Zombies Day My Neighbors is classic overhead um, mm-hmm. action. You get lots and lots of little like power-ups and stuff. You go collect the neighbors before the zombies and yeah. enemies kill them. And then you opens up a door and you go to the next level. And as you get further on, there's horror tropes like the, the, the um, chainsaw-wielding maze guy that looks like Jason Voorhees and Leatherface combined that chases you down. Or the giant baby. I didn't giant see the giant baby. I saw the, I saw the chainsaw guy. Yeah, chainsaw guys, and then you got the little guys, the little like little yeah, little, little Chucky demon, dudes. demonic Chucky dolls. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, so me, many horror like, tropes. Like it's it's just all over. the I place. I love that game. I love that game. It's such a classic. It's like my bread and butter. Not yeah. great at it though, but it would be fun to play that game with unlimited lives. But yeah, one of my friends uh, like he, it, that came over, like he he knew that I had never played the game, so he's like, make sure you have a Super Nintendo set up. So I, I hooked it up to my retro tank and everything like that. So I had it on my like you know uh, OLED, um, and uh, yeah, it's it, we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun with that. 
Now, that is a game that was also released physically on Nintendo Switch. Um, I think it was through Limited Run. They did oh, really? A, oh, a I didn't know that. double pack of Zombies Ate My Neighbors and oh. Ghoul Patrol on okay. one cartridge, which I just think is a one-to-one port using their engine. Um, but super, super cool that you that is preserved. Because that's where I like always say Nintendo Switch goes from you know, Pong all the way to, to modern games, being able to play stuff. And, and that's a perfect example. you got Super Nintendo era games ported on physical Switch cartridge, which is awesome. Is that the Fusion Engine? Um, it might be the Fusion Engine, which is MVG, Modern Retro. Mm-hmm. MVG, yeah. was it Modern Video Gamer? Like, I can't remember the guy's actual moniker, but he's MVG on MVG, YouTube. yeah. Yeah, and, yeah um, mo- Modern Vintage Gamer, modern I think Vintage it is. Gamer, yeah. yeah. And so the, um, the Zombies Ate My Neighbors Limited Run was the expanded edition that they got criticism on because their collector's edition came with a squirt gun. And it was like a cheap knockoff Chinese squirt gun. Oh, missed the, opportunity. Because the squirt gun in the game is actually a squirt gun. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, like it, they didn't do a high quality branded one or anything. It was just like a little cheap knockoff. And so they got criticized for that. So, but that was the, I got the, just the cartridge or the, the normal version. Um, but well, that's cool. Super cool. Super cool. Um, but yeah, so there is ways to, um, to play out of modern consoles. And I'm, I'm have a feeling that once I'm back stateside, there's going to, we're going to have to do like a, a quarterly game meet or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so many of you guys are going to be in Florida, and I've uh, it'll just give me a reason to go out there. Yeah. Well, and it's just like we'll do like a game meetup, and then listeners then want to come out, or you know, fans of the book. That'd be a lot of fun, of man. Premium. Like we just do a quarterly, maybe we call it a quarterly swap meet or game meetup. Or we can, we can meet up at Ricky's Chicken in Hollywood, Florida, with Billy Mitchell. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Um. <laughs> hey, dude. But the thing is, it'd be super cool, man. Yeah, it'd be super cool. Um, By the way, I, I I hate that I like this. Prime. It's delicious. I haven't tried the red. No, it's good. <laughs> it was on sale, so I did, I didn't pick it up. Yeah. Yeah, I go for the low sugar stuff. So I mean, I'll probably try yeah, some prime. Yeah, there's uh, it's it's no sugar. Yep. It's right in my wheelhouse. It's just on the island, like. They had the sour um, lemonade ghosts that are out of stock now, so I won't get them. Oh, you mean that one right there? I don't see it in the screen, but yeah. Oh, oh, shoot. Yeah, it's a little bit higher. Uh, There. Oh, is that a sour? Yeah, it's the sour lemonade. A whole stack of them. Yeah, they're, they're out of stock out here. And then there's another one that's apparently the strips. Like sour strips or something. Oh shoot, dude! I've been waiting. To, I, I want to try that one. I can't find it anywhere. I think that's like GNC exclusive or something. Well, it's it's it was GNC exclusive and it was limited, so I think they're out. Boo. Apparently they were delicious and they sold out immediately. Boo. Even out here, they got a few. But um, yeah, energy drink connoisseurs gotta love it. Mm-hmm. Um, should we put a bow on today's episode? By the way. Yeah, sure. Cool. I so. think we hit all the notes. Yeah, and we got 27 different videos before we switched over, so that'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, got uh, that's it. only on our side. The listeners won't know the difference. Yeah, it'll be seamless for you guys, but uh, just know that we we had some heartache, uh, some technical difficulties. <laughs> I think you need to use like a wavy transition when we move to this newer version. Oh, you, like, easily. Like, yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll do that. We'll do the we'll do the Zelda light world to dark world. How about that? Either that or the zombies ate my neighbors when you go from the main screen to the game. Okay. It goes, okay. 
<laughs> yeah, if you use the uh, the Zelda one, use the wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Heck yeah. But yeah, like it's I I feel like doing a quarterly swap once I'm retired and out. That'll be that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. You know, like or maybe twice a year even, like whatever. Dude, whatever that's that's one thing like uh that I I can't harp on enough. You know, gamers stereotypically we're reclusive uh introverts right um i i am i definitely lean toward introverted uh i i get i recharge my energy alone i don't get energy off of other people so i'm not an extrovert in any way shape or form but i do love sharing this hobby with other passionate gamers love it yeah yeah so much fun so get yourself out there. If you're a collector and you've got your own freaking little like curated man cave and you keep it to yourself, come on. What are you waiting for? Go find Share other like-minded people and uh, and play some games together. Do some couch co-op. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is a cool thing. And, you know, it depends on how crazy conventions are. But like doing a couple mm-hmm. times a year, we do like a, a get together two to four times a year, I think would be awesome. It'd be fun. Um, and it just gives us excuses and it won't always be in the same place. Like maybe we're at a convention together and we just make it a swap out there and have fun. Like if we're already going to be there as we go around, it's going to be, be crazy, dude. But, um, anyways, definitely look forward to playing some super Mario RPG. Um, Ah, if you have time, Tristan, check out save me, Mr. Taco. Um, I will. Yeah. You got time. Um, and we will catch y'all next time. Later guys. (laughs) 